The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. I can't think of too many musicians who've been as prolific as Jeff Skunk Baxter, not only playing in two legendary bands, Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers, but also touring with and doing session work with Linda Ronstadt, Elton John, Brian Adams, Sheryl Crow, Joni Mitchell, Ringo Starr, Rod Stewart, and so many more. After all these years, Jeff finally releases his first solo album called Speed of Heat. Jeff joins me now from his home in California. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you, Jeff. Thanks so much uh, for joining me, and and, uh, congratulations on your first ever solo album. That doesn't seem right. It seems like you should have had one or two by now. Well, I always felt that maybe when you left a very successful band, you might want to wait a while. I know most people jump right into it, but... Right. One, I wanted to wait. Number two... I wanted to find somebody to work with that I really uh, could relate to, and that is my friend C.J. Vanston. So he's a busy, very busy guy, very prolific and successful musician on his own. And myself, between uh, being a session player, producing records, the time I have to put into research and development and design for companies like Fender and Gibson, Roland and Akai and other companies, Plus, my day job, I really didn't have a whole lot of time. <laughs> and I thought it would just take care of itself. And I looked at <laughs> I looked at the track sheets when we handed it into the record company. And the first track that we did was 1989. Right. <laughs> so it's like a penny jar, right? You fill a jar with pennies. Finally, gets to the top. You got to roll them up. You got to take them to the bank, and then you know start another jar. So we got to the point where I had enough material, and originally was going to start out being an instrumental album. And then I ran into Mike McDonald while I was doing a charity event up in Santa Barbara and mentioned what I was doing, and he said, well, if you'd like me to do something on it, I'd be happy to. And I said, Mike, that'd be great. Yes. I've been friends since I, I brought him into to the Doobie Brothers. And then kind of the same thing with Cliff Black and Johnny Lang and Rick Livingston. So here we go. We ended up with half instrumental, half vocal, and I'm I'm really proud of this record. This I gave it enough leash so it could kind of mature on its own, and gave it enough time so that I could keep the perspective on it. Uh, it's really nice, I have to tell you, and uh, especially I love your take on my old school. Just a great version of that Thank song. You. Well, I used to sing it live when I was in Steely Dan. Yeah. And always live performances tend to be a little more energetic. And then I just thought, hey, this song could really be a powerhouse. So I put together an arrangement, which is what is on the, on the, on the album project now. I think it worked out. I didn't think I was going to sing it. Yeah. But I sent us, I sent it to see Tyler and I asked him if he would be interested. And he said, well, I'm interested, but who's singing it? I said, well, it's a scratch vocal. It's me. And he said, well, why don't you sing it? Because I'm not a singer. I said, well, yeah, you are. You should sing it. And I said, you got to be kidding me, right? He said, no. So I figure he knows way more about this stuff than I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I took a shot. Yeah, it's really nice. When you were a kid, I believe you wrote a fan letter to the Ventures, and they actually wrote back to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bob Bogle 
had the the the, the, the letter. I was 11 years old. I grew up in Mexico City, and so I, I I was listening to a lot of guitar players. But the Ventures were certainly a favorite. And years later, they became very close friends, and I produced records for them and played in their band. It was a kind of a kid's dream come true. And yeah, he told me to buy a Fender Jazzmaster, which I couldn't afford at the time. Right. But finally got one. And uh, <laughs> yes, I I miss. Especially Bob Bogle, who was a wonderful man, and we just lost Don Wilson not that long ago. Yeah. They're, they're irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. You know, fast forward, you're living in Boston doing session work, guitar repair, which is, I believe, when you met producer Gary Katz, and that led to other things. That's correct. I was working on a project at Intermediate Sound in Boston, with, and he was producing a band called The Bead Game. Uh, and they had called me in to do some acoustic guitar, and I was doing another, uh, in another room, I was doing kind of two, two sessions at the same time, and Gary heard it, and why don't you, would you be willing to come down to New York and work on a Linda Hoover project that I'm doing? Uh, the two songwriters named Walter Becker and Donald Fagan are writing the material for it. Yep. And I said, sure, because I was com- commuting back and forth from Boston to New York doing sessions, and... Uh, we did the project, and they said, well, you've never really heard anybody play guitar like that before. I said, well, I've never heard material like this. This is amazing. And we decided that whoever passed go first will <laughs> form a band, and they managed to get a publishing deal out in Los Angeles at ABC Daniel Records, and we formed Steely Dan. Your work on My Old School with them, that's just a masterpiece, first of all. And you're so, you. you're so known for just letting it rip in these sessions. Now, with a song like Ricky Don't Lose That Number, was that a little more mapped out as far as you were concerned? Yes. I, I, I'm still, even though I, as you say, I like to let it rip, um, I also tend to look at guitar solos as mini-compositions. Yeah. So the solo in, in Ricky, I really thought about that. I wanted to compose something that I could insert into that song. So yes, I put some thought into that one. And I'm assuming, Jeff, that since you were a founding member of Steely Dan, that you weren't tortured by Fagan and Becker like some of these other musicians who've who've come in and, and played parts for them? <laughs> <laughs> who came in to play parts were all colleagues. We were all doing sessions together. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were kind of the, the first call guys in Los Angeles at the time. And there were certainly times when it was interesting in terms of, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships on this stuff. But bottom line is I'm a studio guy and I'm used to being tortured and that's my job. <laughs> yeah. And frankly... <laughs> it was the idea of trying to create perfection is uh, in my wheelhouse. That's what we do. And if I'm not mistaken, when you played for the Doobies, you played that wonderful steel pedal on South City Midnight Lady. Just fantastic. Oh, it's very kind. Thank you. I was playing pedal steel for Linda Ronstadt as well. Yes. I believe your first albums with them. You played a bit on Stampede and then What Were Once Vices. My favorite song, Sweet Maxine, did did you eventually get restless and just start playing with a whole bunch of other people? Was that more appealing to you at some point? Well, 
after Ultimate Spinach, and when I was in Boston, I played with the Holy Motor Rounders, which is the most fun band I've ever played with in my life. And I was playing bass for Tim Buckley. Wow. So there was a lot of membership, that, and certainly Linda Ronstadt going out to play with Johnny Rodriguez. Yep. Played a lot of country music. To me, it's just kind of an adventure. And any opportunity that I had could find a play and enjoy and contribute, uh, I was not shy. And still am not shy. And it must have also been an adventure to appear with the Doobie Brothers on What's Happening. That had to be a high point for you, Jeff. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Matter of fact, I, I thought that the director of that show, What's Happening, did an excellent job of the videography on the, the concert the sequence. Yeah. And I tried to get him to produce a direct the video for the Jimmy Brothers, but NBC wouldn't do it. I wouldn't let them do it. I, I, I just thought that that was some of the best work I'd ever seen. But what are you going to do? It, it was anyway. incredibly good, actually, Take as I recall. Shot. Jeff Skunk Baxter's Speed of Heat is out June 17th, but I believe you can pre-register on most digital retailers. Jeff, just an honor talking to you. Thanks so much. Well, if folks want to download the first two singles, Mild School and Bad Move by, with Clint Black, can find it on Spotify and Apple Music as well. And I suggest you do that. Jeff, thank you. Thank you. I do remember seeing those concert scenes of the Doobies on What's Happening, and it was very good. And by the way, since we only had about 10 minutes, we didn't get into the fact that Jeff Baxter once worked as a defense consultant and advised U.S. members of Congress on missile defense for several years. What? Guess that's a topic for a whole nother interview. That finishes this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.